Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> nice. Wow. That's not, two people in the front row are awake. That's great. Welcome, welcome to church today. Uh, my name is Austin. I'm, I'm a part of the team here at Waypoint. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here today. Yeah, I, I really am. Thank you for being here. Seriously, you made it. Nice. I'm not trying to be weird. Or, like I really, I'm trying to be serious right now. Um, you made it today. And I say that because the reality, I, the rea- reality is I don't know. I don't know what kind of week you had coming into this morning, leading up to this moment. And so really what I want to do before we go any further is I just want to take a moment to recognize this space. The seat that you're in, whatever state you're in, we all come from uh, different places, right, quite literally, unless you live in the same house together, then you came from the same place, you know what I mean? And we all come with different things. We bring our own baggage, different baggage, carrying it with us. And so, yeah, before we kind of get rolling this morning, I just want to take, our, take a moment together and, and center ourselves together on the person of Jesus. And so, um, if we could, I'm, I just want to ask you guys, I invite you uh, to pray with me, to bow your heads and, and pray. And I want to get started this way. Jesus, this morning, some of us have already faced a lot. For some of us, it's it's pretty easy getting out of bed. For others of us, it's a challenge. For some of us, it's as simple as brushing our teeth, making a pot of coffee, kind of getting ready for the day. Others of us were brushing our teeth while changing a diaper, while (laughs) you name it, while trying to sip a coffee at the same time. I don't know. God, the point is we all are are here this morning, and we've all had different journeys to get here, and so I just want to take a second to recognize that, God. Sometimes Jesus' life is easy. Our week was good. We don't really have much to complain about. And so, God, in this moment here, we want to take an opportunity to praise you and thank you for that. That is a gift. It's truly a gift. When it's good, Lord, I pray that we remember you. And that in the good, we remember our need for you. That we are still reliant on you, still in pursuit of you. That life is good Because, God, you are good. And on the other hand, Jesus, you know this, sometimes life is pretty hard. Our weeks didn't go the way we want them to or expected them to go. And 30 pieces of silver starts to look pretty good. Or really anything that might bring us any sense or comfort in the moment 
God, in reality, we're just, like the song says, we're desperate for a touch of heaven. Forgive us when we give into the temptation to settle for less. Come next to us, Jesus, and guide us this morning. Show us your goodness so that we may see it all around us. No matter what sort of week we had, Jesus, in this moment, we remember you. We take a second to remember you. It is so very good to be your people. It's so very good to be together this morning. Help us to care for each other, comfort one another, and celebrate together with you at the center of it all, Jesus. That is our prayer as we get started today. Amen. Amen. So um, <clears throat> today, we're three weeks in to the series called 30 Pieces of Silver. And our focus in the series has been to identify and really have more, more really have an honest conversation about the things that we are tempted to trade Jesus for. Because I, I think, I think we all would like to think that there's nothing, there's nothing that we would trade Jesus for, right? We confess Jesus is Lord, and yet like Peter, who was the first to confess Jesus is Lord, we don't fully understand what that means for us and for our lives moving forward as followers of Jesus. And so when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations because we don't have the right understanding of who Jesus is, then like Judas, when the opportunity arises, whatever, is, whatever offer is on the table sounds pretty good. And for Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. And so that's the conversation for us. It could be a number of things for us. Last week, we talked about comfort. This week, we're going to talk about the idea of power. And honestly, um, this, this idea I struggled with a bit. I struggled with this idea of getting up here and talking about power in the context of, of trading it for Jesus. And, and I really think it's because, while, while trying to navigate this idea myself, I think people aren't comfortable talking about power. Even though it's something that we like grew up in and we've experienced our whole lives, right, as children, we would, when a parent would put us in timeout, we would sit there, right, generally, okay? When a teacher would assign us homework, again, generally speaking, we would do it. When a coach told us to run, we ran. As adults, when we're given work by our bosses, managers, supervisors, generally speaking, we do it. We get it done, at least if we want to keep our jobs, right? Power simply means having the ability to influence the behavior of another person. And so most of us in this room have power in some way, shape, or form, whether you're a parent, a coach, a teacher, a boss, a leader, you have power. And yet the word power is still just kind of a loaded word. More often than not, that word, when we hear the word power, 
Unfortunately, it's in regard to someone's abuse of it. And so the word has almost become like villainous. So culturally, it's almost as if the word power, having power, is a problem. Something to be avoided or discarded as much as possible. And yet, power is something that the Bible ascribes to God and God's people, both in the Old and New Testament. My point here is that power is not a problem. How power is pursued and used can be a problem. But having power itself is not a problem. It is a gift from God to God's people to be stewarded and used to influence the world around us. So with that said, I want to dive into the Gospel of Mark together. So we're going to be starting, if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open it to Mark chapter 9, verse 30. And we're just going to dive on in. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be, going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise again. But they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the road? We know from the Gospel of Matthew that they were, they were kind of having a bit of, a, a, bit of a, a tiff, okay? But they kept quiet because they know, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And I think this right here is some insight for us into kind of what we've been talking about in regards to understanding Jesus and having expectations of Jesus that don't align with the way Je the person of Jesus, who he is and how he wants to do it. And so this is confirmation of that, that they did not understand Jesus because instead of trust Jesus in his demonstration of, of what he said, what true power and true greatness is, they begin to dream and imagine what this greatness would be like for themselves which likely included wealth, royal robes, and power. These very same men, these were men that confessed Jesus as Lord, but again, didn't have the right understanding of what that meant, what it truly meant for them. And so they started arguing. They started arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest. I personally would love to know the criteria for defining greatness to the disciples? Was it who did the best job at healing? Who healed the most people? Who could draw the biggest crowd? Who raised the most money? And it begs the question, what is it for you? Personally. Is it how much money you make? Is it the title that you have, whether at home or at work? <laughs> Is it your influence in the community, 
the amount of boards or committees that you're on? Is it how many followers, likes, views, shares you have or received? Influence, leadership, platform, authority, it's all power. Those words are more appropriate, have less connotations alongside them, but it's all power. And if we're honest, we want it. We do. We want others to listen to us. We want others to follow our advice. We want people to look up to us. We want them to to do what we tell them to do. And if we're really honest, it is so that we can get what we want. Even the disciples who physically walked with Jesus struggled with this idea. Greatness, power. So Jesus tells them, verse 35, sitting down. Now this is a, whenever you... Then, if a rabbi were to sit down, you knew it was about to get serious. Like, you knew, you, you better listen up, because it's, the, the word's coming at you, hot and ready, okay? You better, you better take it. Okay, so he's sitting down. Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, his disciples, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. If you want to be great... If you want to be a leader with influence and authority, if you want power, Jesus says, first must be last, very last. Humble yourself. Become a servant. And then he welcomes, welcomes these little children. So welcome little children Receive them, accept them, and in doing so, you welcome and receive and accept me as well, as well as God the Father. When it comes to the power we have, we can either accept and receive Jesus, or we can deny him. And Jesus lays this out for us. First, he says, by humbling yourself, humbling ourselves, considering others before ourselves, right? Practicing humility. One of my favorite uh, descriptions of humility or definitions of humility is by C.S. Lewis, who says, humility, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. 
And I think that's a really important depiction for us as we, as we learn to figure out. It, this, Jesus isn't saying, like, like, you need to just forget about your own needs, forget about those things. He's, he's not saying that. He's saying others, others are important too. So humble yourself if you want to lead others to steward this power that you have as a being created in God's image, to reflect God's love out onto the world. Be humble. Humble yourselves. Pride corrupts power. Because pride is the root of all sin. Because pride makes everything about you. Pride's only concerned about your wants, your needs, your desires. Pride is at the very essence of our sinful nature. It's, it's the fall of man. It's Genesis 3, right there, first few pages of the Bible. Pride. Humble yourselves. Then he says, become a servant of all. This goes hand in hand with humility because to be a servant, you need to be focused on who you're serving, on the needs of others. To be a good servant, you got to know what, is, what is this person needs. I think back to when I worked in the, um, in, in the restaurant industry. And like more often than not, what made the difference, what made someone's night was that I was filling up their water before they even asked for it. It's anticipating the needs of others, which means you're thinking about others. Focused on the needs of others. And then lastly, receiving and accepting the little children. Which some of you are like really uncomfortable with right now because you're, <laughs> you're like, I don't really like kids. Kids don't really like me. I'm kind of awkward when I'm around kids. I do a funny face and they cry and I really don't get it. I thought kids would like that. And now Jesus is like asking me to serve in kids or something. Which if, if that, you should totally, serving in kids is a wonderful, beautiful, awesome experience. If you haven't tried it, you should. <laughs> There's my plug for Jolie, whatever, but I'm serious. It's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome way to serve. And what we're going to get to that, because Jesus clearly values children. Children clearly have a, have, are placed with very high significance in the kingdom of heaven. So, so they should be to us as well. But children also represent something else. They also represent the powerless. The least of these. And so it's okay. If it's okay if kids aren't your thing, that's all right. Okay? But the way you use your power should have the powerless in mind. I want to take us to one more place in the scriptures where I think Jesus kind of brings this home. And it's, uh, it's actually in the next chapter. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. Um, and this is, this is right after... Uh, Literally, the next chapter later, like this, this probably would have happened either the next day or maybe on the same day. 
And, and it's funny because the disciples, they, they just seem to, to not get it. And we can be critics because we're, we're, we're reading about it, okay? So it's kind of easy for us to be a critic. Uh, so starting in Mark uh, 10, verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. It's like, guys, come on. He literally just told you. Whoever welcomes these people welcomes me. And they're, they're like, no, what, what's going on here? This is for adults only. This is for important people only, people who, who have power, right? And so Jesus, this is why when Jesus saw this, verse 14, he was indignant. Like that is a strong word. He was indignant of what his disciples were doing. He said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then he says, truly I tell you, whenever you see Jesus, use the words truly or in the sentence truly, truly, truly I tell you, whenever the word truly comes up, your ears should perk up. It's another one of those things, like he's about to say something really significant here. So as readers of the scriptures, we need to be able to identify these things. This is one of those moments. So verse 15, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Whoa. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. And then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. This is a big deal. He just told us who the kingdom of heaven belongs to. Those who are like little children. What is Jesus getting at? This is clearly significant to him. Truly I tell you. Little children. Toddlers the little people who kind of toddle around, right? Bump into things. Just goofy little creatures, okay? They crack me up. I've got one right now, and she is just so funny. Infuriating sometimes, but so hilarious. Having, having a little toddler um, running around your house really puts, puts a perspective on this. Um, that kind of tugs at you a bit because it really is significant. And I do think what Jesus is getting at here is several things. One is your, your child's humble dependence on you, on others. Their, their receptivity Their acceptance of themselves, <laughs> right? For goodness sakes, they'd walk around naked all day if you let them, <laughs> right? I have a niece who, like, could not get her to wear clothes for the longest time. She didn't care. She never once thought, I wonder what these people will think of me if I walk around naked. <laughs> that thought never crossed her mind. Is it on me again? Uh-oh. You know what? We're just going to pretend it's not there. I don't have a stink bug on me. 
I'm going to be a child. Oh, what's up, stink bug? Oh, is it flying around now? Okay. It's in my shirt now? Are you kidding me? Well, I'm just going to be cool with it. Oh, yay. Oh, oh man, okay. <laughs> Let's bring it home. Man, it's kind of like Bernie Sanders with that bird moment. Like, yeah. So mine's a stink bug. I don't know what that says. I'm not going to read into it too much. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. It, it, the, there's something about children. They just, they, they just don't care. They're so comfortable with themselves. You know, belly out, shirts untucked, food on their face, hairs undone, walking up to you saying hi. They don't care if their breath stinks. Like, they don't care. They'll give you a big kiss. Oh, my gosh. I think that, and honestly, that's why I like so much sloppy wet kiss from that. So anybody, you know what I'm talking about? That, um, rec, not reckless love. How he loves, that's a, anyway, that's, well, that's a different topic. My brain, that's how my brain works. You guys have known me long enough to know that that sometimes happens. So children, it's their receptivity, their acceptance of themselves, and their position in life. Like, Ophelia knows she's not mom or dad. Like, she knows that there are just things she can't do. And, like, sometimes she tries, sometimes she doesn't, and she's okay with that. And of course, like I know it doesn't really need to be said, but Jesus was speaking of an unspoiled child. Like the, the pure innocence of, of a toddler. A child enjoys much, but can explain very little. Children live by faith. They're such an accepting lot they are, these toddlers trusting others to care for them and pick them up and be there for them. And so I think that's one thing that God is, that Jesus is getting at here is that, is that their faith is so significant. Like little children, they come to Jesus. We come to Jesus. Like little children come to their father, come to their parents, helpless, unable to save ourselves, totally dependent on the mercy and grace of God. But I also think Jesus was getting at something else here. And it's that concept of these kiddos. They're powerless. They need to be cared for. They understand their dependence. And so Jesus takes this concept and he takes this power structure that the world still operates on today, and he just flips it. These are, these, this kinds of people are who the kingdom of heaven belongs to. So what does that mean for us and how we are in relationship to power and to Jesus? How should that affect the way we think about power and pursuing power? If Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to the powerless. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who recognize that the power comes from God, not from themselves. 
who, who have pure and innocent motives behind a faith, behind following Jesus. What we don't realize is that in the pursuit of power, we lose sight of the very thing that gives us any power at all, Jesus. In the pursuit of power, we forsake Jesus. And so a question we might need to ask ourselves from time to time is, what is my motive for following Jesus? Do I have the right understanding of the confession that I've made, if you've made that confession, about who Jesus is? Another way to think of it, or to ask the question, is to consider how you're viewing the world around you, because I think that has an impact. Because the pursuit of power, as opposed to the pursuit of Jesus, destroys our outlook on God's good world. Because we now just see lost opportunities. Everything becomes an opportunity cost. We don't see God's hand, his power in and around us anymore. In some cases, we don't even see people anymore. We just see the things that we want or what we can get out of them. We see a, a potential like addition to our LinkedIn network. I don't know. We see a, a friend. And that's not bad in and of itself. And I think that's important to kind of come back to. But some of us, we write people off because I couldn't be friends with them. And they talk too much. They're not into this or that. They're a Michigan fan. They, they don't believe what I believe. Hmm. I think that that perspective of going into Relationships with people is so significant when it comes to how we are, our relationship to power. Jesus just saw people to love and care for. He knew we were powerless. And he died for us. And was raised to life. To show us what true power and true greatness and true influence looks like. To be a servant. To become lesser. He is the epitome of humiliating himself, being a servant, and welcoming the children. They flocked to him. People who knew their needs flocked to Jesus, who understood that they need a Savior flocked to Jesus. It was the people who thought they had power that didn't. When we break free from our pursuit of power, I think we will discover what we will discover is that we will be more free to follow Jesus. We'll be more free to follow Jesus in a way that not only empowers us, but empowers others. This should impact the way we parent, the way we're in relationships in general, the way you love your spouse the way you lead others as a boss or an employee, I think this really challenges bosses. Is how I'm using my power, empowering, are these people better off because I'm their boss? 
when we forsake the pursuit of power and when we pursue Jesus, that's when we begin to understand and recognize our true power, which is empowering in ourselves and others. Amen? I want to do something that we've done the past three weeks because um, I think it's been, it's been different. Um, but I think it's been valuable. So I just want us to take a second. If everyone could bow their head, close their eyes, I invite you to do so. You don't have to, so I invite you. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, we're going to enter into a space of prayer. Jesus, I pray that you would um, reveal to us your heart, your mind, your thoughts, and how this is applicable, this word is applicable to our lives. This is a word from Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name that took the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is power in your name, Jesus And so, God, as we end this service singing and praising your name, God, may we leave this place encouraged, encouraged to go be a servant. And in that very act, we humble ourselves, Jesus, and we receive and accept you. God, go before us, come alongside us, and stay behind us. Wherever we go, Holy Spirit, lead us. We love you and we praise you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen.